Hey everyone, thank you for joining us again for All Things Evangelism. I'm here this week with a friend and ministry colleague, as I usually am every week. Abel Abel is the General Secretary of the North New South Wales Conference. He's serving in that capacity right now, but he hasn't always. Abel, could you just share, even though most, most of the church knows who you are here in North New South Wales, could you share, for those who don't know, what's your ministry journey been, brother, before we mm. jump into our topic uh, sure, for that, today. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks, Matt. First of all, thanks for having me on, on this podcast. Look, for those that do not know me, I was born and raised in Romania. And because this is all about evangelism, I need, I need to share with you a bit my journey in Romania. I think my heart was convicted during the evangelistic series led by Mark Field in the mid-90s. And that's, I guess, when my passion for the gospel and the preaching that was developed, even though I was very young. But then when I was convicted and decided to be baptized at the age of 17, shortly after that, I decided to run a small evangelistic campaign for young people in the church in my area. And that was my privilege to invite friends from the state high school where I was part of in Romania. And I guess that was, I guess, my first exposure to evangelism. And after that, coming into Australia, going to Avenel College at the time, now university, and being invited to to be part of various evangelistic teams in Australia and overseas has been a very enriching and growing experience as a church pastor in various districts here in the North New South Wales Conference, but also being part of the Institute of Public Evangelism with Pastor Gary Webster and having the privilege of running campaigns in Auckland, New Zealand. I guess in, in a few words, this is a brief overview of uh, my exposure mm. to evangelism. That's really cool. And those are some things that you said there, brother, that I didn't know uh, in regard to you're, you're an evangelist. Is God called? you to preach evangelistically that's awesome i didn't know um yeah and i guess so throughout this podcast we'll, we'll be able to share a few a few stories and lessons that we've all learned along the way that's it so everyone we're talking today about sharing truth by degrees mm. and there's a statement in in the bible that we want to start with and jesus is talking to his disciples it's in john 16 in verse 12 and he says to them there's many things that i have to say to you but right now you can't bear them. So Jesus understood that there were truths that he would like to reveal to his disciples that they were not ready to receive. Mm -hmm. And so he was not willing to share what was not in their best interest to hear. And do you have any thoughts on that, Abel, in regards to this is a conversation about evangelism and winning people to Christ and to the truths of Jesus? Yeah, look, when you mentioned that Bible verse, my mind went straight to the time when Jesus was speaking in parables. And you, you would think his disciples would understand the parables, but obviously they didn't because they asked Jesus when, when they were by themselves, like, Jesus, can you, first of all, tell us why do you teach in parables and what is the meaning of these teachings? Jesus had his approach, he was using stories to teach amazing truths that would stay with people for a very long period of time. It's very important to communicate incredible truths through stories. And mm. because we are weak, sinful human beings, I don't think we can handle a lot of truth at once, being all being dumped on you. And as I was reflecting on this title, gradually, one bite uh, at a time, I, I recall an experience that I had. I was invited to be part of a group uh, that went to, and we were invited to, to share the message. And I was very foolish in, in my thinking because I left Australia with a Western mindset of Christianity and what evangelism is about and what uh, preaching should look like. And when I get there, I experienced this shock because I'm standing before an audience that sort of just gradually moved away from Hindu. Their, their Bible knowledge is very limited. 
There is probably very minimal knowledge of spirit of prophecy. And after my first sermon, which I think was probably, if it wasn't for God's grace, would have been a huge failure. I went back to my room and I started to rethink all of my plans that I had for that period of time. Because I said, look, I've got here a different audience and I need to really use a different language and to change probably the this, this strategy because unless we learn to adapt our language, unless we learn to see who our audience is and what's their knowledge, we're actually missing the goal, missing the mark in trying to reach them. We, we might end up doing more damage um, yeah. than, than good. Yeah, it seems to me that Jesus in his statement in John 16, he's showing us a bit about himself as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, he communicates what's, he's unselfish in his communicating. So he's not communicating for himself. He's communicating for the sake of those he's communicating to. And so he calculates what he says based on what people can hear and what they can understand. And I know that just to be very honest, this is a struggle of mine. I, I like to communicate truths and, and, I think out loud as a person, and, and I've been in scenarios on multiple occasions, I do it all the time, where I'm selfishly communicating. Mm-hmm. So I'm communicating because I'm enjoying what I'm communicating, and I'm not taking enough into account about the person that I'm communicating with and whether or not this is making a difference. It's a little bit like when it compares a little bit to Jesus' statement about casting your pearls before swine. Like if you can take jewels and, and treasure and throw it into a pig pen. But, but the, the animals in that pig pen have no conception of what you're throwing them. It means nothing to them. Yes. And I can do that because I like to do it because it's fun for me to do it, but it's not useful. It's not yes. really getting me anywhere. And it's not helpful to the people who are hearing. And so I, I think we can, are there any dangers, Abel, in your, any dangers in communicating too much too fast mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. about biblical truth? Sure. And look, Matt, if, if you allow me, just before I, I attempt to answer the question, just to add a thought in terms of Jesus' life, ministry, preaching, evangelism, I think as, as our listeners, if they were to take the time to go through all of the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at his parables, we can definitely see that Jesus was very intentional in the messages he was communicating. For example, when he was in, in the country area, he was using parables or stories that were relevant and easy to understand by farmers. It was about shepherds and, and various other things that people on a day-to-day basis, they could look outside of their house and relate the things they would see with the parables of Jesus. When he was in a city, he would talk about money or things that were relevant to people in the city. So Jesus was very intentional. He would study his audience and then he would decide how to communicate incredible life-changing truths. Now, in, in terms of dangers, the danger of communicating too much, too soon, too quickly, I, I guess one of the dangers would be that you would create probably confusion, confusion in, in that person's mind or inability for them to comprehend and put all the jigsaw puzzle pieces together and, and make sense of, of the image that he's trying to portray in their minds. Even when Jesus was trying to describe what is the kingdom of heaven like? And he said, I can't really tell you because you wouldn't understand. So I'm going to try to explain it with simple words. You know? And he would come up with a parable from in the kitchen, or with a parable from in the field, just something that was very relevant. And when you look at, even with his disciples, he did not, I guess, explain everything from the beginning to them because they weren't able to handle it. Yes. It was always bit by bit. It's amazing how he had to spend 
a long period of time with disciples who didn't understand fully where they were being led or mm. they, they were completely in ignorance in certain areas, right? Like with their assumptions and uh, suppositions about the Messiah and how he would function yes. and what was true and what wasn't true scripturally. And, and th- this is a real good example um, for us, right? Like in evangelism and, and mission, we may have to journey with people for some time before they get it. And we have to be okay with that. And I think that takes patience. And that's hard, right? Because, we, we, you know, there's a statement that Jesus makes at the end of his life. He's kind of reflecting. I think this is John 12. He's reflecting on what's about to happen. And he's saying, it's like almost like he's having a conversation with himself. What should I say? Father, deliver me from this hour? No, this is the reason why I came to the world. And you can see he's having this kind of dialogue with himself out loud. And he's conflicted a bit, right? Like it's going to be a hard thing to do to offer himself, to be crushed under the weight of the guilt and sin of the world, and to, and to face God, really, as a representation of sin, and be crucified and condemned. That's going to be tough. But then he's, this is why I came to the world. This is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And there's a statement of Ellen White's where she says that when he was able to, before Pilate and the Jewish leaders, like just fully reveal that he was the son of God, she says that it was one of the most glorious moments of his life, like to him, because because he had been holding back for so many years, like not just saying what he knew was true, like, I'm the scent of God, like I'm the savior of the world. So think about that. His entire life, he keeps it secret because he knows it's not in anyone's best interest to know fully who he is and what he is. And so he doesn't say it. But then when he's being condemned and he knows, okay, my hour has come, I'm going to be crucified this is the time. Then he just, she says, it was like, she doesn't make it say like he was happy or a walk in the park, but it was like one of the most fulfilling moments of his life when he could just say what he'd been wanting to say forever. And so this just shows great restraint and self-control on the part of Jesus. And it shows that he's just going to say what's in other people's best interest to hear. And if it's not in their best interest to hear it, he doesn't say it. And really it just epitomizes unselfish communication. And I think it's beautiful. And I, I'm inspired by that, hey. Yes. And, and look, I, I was just reflecting on, on like my brief experience in terms of one-on-one Bible studies with individuals. Because when you meet a person, you try to understand where they're at. Because we've got all these, I guess, study guides that are being available and everyone can use them to study with people. And that's great if the individual has knowledge about God or some type of maybe respect towards the Bible and accepts it as, a, as, a, as either a holy book or a good book. But when you start with someone that, I guess, has no acknowledgement of a higher being in this universe, for us to, to go through certain teachings of the Bible may not necessarily be the probably the best place to start. Maybe looking at things, how can we make them aware hey, there is a God, and what elements from in the Bible can we use to show that, hey, this is a book that has come from God. So what I'm saying is there's not one recipe that works for every single individual. You need to go through this 10 step, and you will be a believer and a follower of Christ. Everyone comes to Christ from different walks of life. There are different points. And for us, and I think this is, God has done this intentionally because it's not just about a process. I think what God is looking at when it comes to evangelism, he looks at a relationship that he wants us to develop with that person, with the individual. We are not just teaching something. We are doing life with them. And in order for that to happen, we need to take the time to understand where they're at and how can we help them grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his word. 
Point. Jesus said, Jesus is, like in my mind, if I'm sitting down at, at a table and I'm trying to teach someone incredible truths, and I just want them to see that the Son of God has come and died on the cross to, so that we can be in heaven with Him for eternity. That's my goal. I want them to experience that joy, but I need to hold back because there are a few yeah. other steps that I need to take before that. Yeah, it, I'm glad that you brought up Bible study guides because I, they're formatted in such a way to follow what we're saying, to apply the principle of teaching truth by degrees, right? So you lay a basic foundation with, hey, a study on the scripture and that it's trustworthy. And then you get into some more and more and that the law of God is the law of life and it's immutable and it's a reflection of God's character before you teach the Sabbath because it's foundational that you accept the moral standards of scripture before you accept the Sabbath. And so the people who construct Bible study guides, they they take into account, okay, what's the journey I'm trying to bring this mm-hmm. person on? What do they need to hear first and then second and then third? And Building they, they do a pretty good job. But like mm-hmm. you said, there's no one course for every person. Therefore, it falls on us as individuals to have discernment, to really pray that God gives us the discernment necessary to know the course to take someone on and like what they need to hear next. And and this may seem scary, right? Because how do you know? Like, how do you know what's the next step? And, and maybe you can't know scientifically, but you just pray and, and cautiously mm-hmm. move forward. Because we can't, yeah, anyways. I, I also, when I think about evangelism, it, it is an aspect of, of leading and weaning others to Christ, but it's also about maintaining our own spiritual growth as we prepare to, to teach those individuals and to learn what to say. And I think that comes from communion in our own private God, in our, in our own private time with God. We say, look, God, I'm starting with this. You know what they're going through. And actually having communion with God and asking for clear direction and strong impression as to what to study next and how to go about it. I think it brings a lot of satisfaction and joy uh, to us. And also it brings meaning to the other person. Because I think you can resonate and I I can testify to this and others that are listening that you you spend that time with God and you felt impressed to study this particular topic with with the individual. And at the end they say, you know what? I've been going through a rough week and this is exactly what I needed to hear today. Yes. Yeah, amen. There's, I think, just a need to be considerate and to consider what someone else is hearing when you're speaking. And you can share the same fundamental truth, the same biblical truth in multiple different ways, depending upon the person who's hearing it. So my mom, she when she heard a message, when she heard the message of, of Daniel 7, that there was a judgment that was happening prior to the arrival of Jesus to planet Earth, and that false Christianity was going to be judged by God, and that the beast and the little horn are going to be chucked into the fire. She was ecstatic because she, as a young girl, had very traumatic experiences as a part of that communion of faith. And so for her, it was like, yes! And you could tell her as straight as you could, and it's that's the best thing she could have ever heard because she was, to, to a degree, victimized mm-hmm. by certain nuns and certain priests and these kinds of things. And so to hear that system of religion was not endorsed by the God of the Bible, as far as the system, yes. the viewpoints, the practices, the rites, the rituals that were kind of borrowed from paganism. For her, it was like, yes, amen, amen, that's antichrist, amen. <laughs> but for my next door neighbor, who is a faithful, loyal participant in the Catholic communion, mm-hmm. like they, they're, he's a decent guy, beautiful family, lovely neighbors, awesome 
they're just awesome, like on every level. And they're decent Christian people. We respect them. Now, if if I were to share a Bible study on Daniel 7, I may tweak my language mm-hmm. in such a way to to make it more palatable for him from where, for where he's coming from. For example, like I could say, hey, Revelation 13 is a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. And it is, and I can be very explicit, right? Like it is this organization. Or I could say Revelation 13, Daniel 7, the little horn is a prophetic prediction that the Christian church itself would be anti-Christian. And so didn't we see that kind of in the dark ages with the inquisitions and the torture chambers and all of that horror and those corrupt bishops and popes that were really about money and they weren't really about Jesus and and they were about power and position? He would be, yeah, he of course. Think, so yeah. it's about tailoring the message in such a way that it's like, hey, mm-hmm. it, that makes it, that's part of what we're saying, right? Yes, and I think in, in terms of us providing all the answers, I think sometimes we need to make a room for the Holy Spirit to help them connect the dots and, and find the answers for themselves. Instead of us giving them everything, it's like looking at all these evidence, who do you think this prophecy might be referring to? Mm-hmm. And a- allowing them to actually utter uh, the words because they are actually, in fact saying it, not, not so much uh, us in, in that space. I remember running an evangelistic campaign and I had two incredible, kind Catholic ladies sitting in the front row. I tell you about that, that really brought me to my knees to pray, to know how to preach through those important topics, but knowing those people that are devoted need to hear these incredible truths. So I, I think there's a significant connection between our own preparation learning to know what to say and how much to say when we meet with these uh, individuals. Amen. Hey, so bro, I've got this quote I want to read and I want to hear you know, your thoughts, like your response to this statement. So this is a statement from Ellen White and it's from a book called The Southern Work. So she says, you may have all the truth, but you need not let it all flash at once upon minds, mm. lest it become darkness to them. Even Christ said to his disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. We must not go into a place, open our satchels, show all that we have, and tell everything that we know at once. We must work cautiously, presenting the truth by degrees, as the hearers can bear it, but keep close to the word. Yes. Yeah, that, that's powerful. Look, I'm not sure if I've read it before, and it's a shame that I haven't, but it, it's a powerful paragraph. And my mind went to, to this other passage that Ellen White mentions, that when you go to new territories, don't focus on distinctives. Don't mm. focus on the things that you have different from them. Try to build bridges by finding things that you have in common in terms of teachings, so that once you build a, a trusting relationship, then you continue to disclose things from, from in God's word. And I love the way actually that the paragraph begins, the shining light. I'm sure if you want to read that, that paragraph again, just the first sentence is just very powerful because it is a secret to a successful evangelistic experience. Yeah, that's it. She says, you may have all the truth, but you don't need to feel, but you need not let it all flash at mm. once upon minds. Exactly. Flash at once upon minds. And because I, I think sometimes it comes from excitement or we just think that they're ready to digest it. And I, I, it happened to me that because I'm familiar with the prophecies, you are, you know, Daniel, to us, it, it makes sense. But to other people, it takes more than one hearing of Daniel 2 or Daniel 7 to actually, or Daniel 8 for, for all the elements to really click. And sometimes it needs to be revisited. Totally. And more, some people are more inclined with history and dates and, and logic. Others are not so much inclined. And 
and, and that is okay, but we just need to, to be intentional in learning yeah, who is audience and who are we starting with. And it's it, it'd be like you're, you're in school, you're in, in primary school, and the, the beginning of your course in math is like calculus, right? Like you just, here's this calculus equation. Here you go, kids. You'd just you'd be like, huh? Mm. what's going on here there's so much to learn before you get there and yeah like this is a this is a real it's funny for me to be like as an evangelist i've operated under this principle like teaching by degrees so i've spent years going into communities before i came to australia obviously Mm -hmm. just going into communities and spending weeks and months developing contract tax and interests and working with people by degrees utilizing health ministries and different avenues to make connection with people and then draw them into Bible studies and then you know, try to get them into a reaping series where we're preaching the messages of God and we're being as diplomatic and as as, as cautious as we can be. So I've operated under this pr- principle, but it's not because it's my personality. Like my personality is like just vomited all up on the table at once. And really, I think that's a sign of impatience and really just inconsideration, like just not being considerate. And I think Jesus is all about being considerate. And this might be hard for us, but mm-hmm. I just think we all have to realize that that we have. When I say we have time, we ha- we have time. Like it takes time. Yes, our message yes. is urgent. Yes, we need to make sure that we do nothing to hinder mm-hmm. the proclamation of the three angels' messages because it's essential and necessary. But at the same time, we have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and yes. take into account what people can comprehend. It's like. The fastest way from A to B may not be a straight line. You may have to go in a you know circuitous route to get someone to where they need to be. And that really, ultimately, it's about putting people first, hey? Yes. And look, I really appreciate what, what you said there because we need to keep this balance of finding the balance between there's an urgency behind proclaiming the message because we, we are called to proclaim the message to every nation, kingdom, tongue, and people. But at the same time, the proclamation shouldn't be considered as a project. Sometimes we're looking at people and we're looking at at evangelism as a project, something that we do and people need to respond. They're going to respond and and that's it. When in reality, and I think you mentioned, it is a relationship that God is calling us to develop with these people. And I think sometimes the results don't come quickly because God is teaching us to be patient and he's teaching us to love those people. And he wants us to treasure them when the decision is being made. Because sometimes in the past, people have responded, they were baptized. And unfortunately, I'm not not making a general statement, but unfortunately, in some places and sometimes, some individuals were, in a way, maybe shoved aside or pushed aside. And the interest that was given to them beforehand wasn't necessarily displayed afterwards. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I know understanding what to do first and how to build that relationship, it's a critical point. Look, Matt, just probably for for the sake of our listeners, I've been blessed for the last few weeks. I've been listening to biographies of missionaries. And this is like missionaries in general from the 18th, 19th century. I'm talking about Hudson Taylor, William Carey, David Livingston, incredible stories within their biographies. And you sense the tension. They had an urgency. Like Hudson Taylor being in China, he just wanted to see converts, but it was a long journey. He had to learn the language, the customs, the religion, and to see how he can breed, breed, build bridges. The same thing with William Carey. I think after seven years of hard work and laboring that he saw his first convert in India. Wow. Imagine <laughs> he trying to do evangelism. You go to India with the purpose of evangelism, bringing the gospel to people, and it takes seven years to see your first 
result. Wow. And yeah. not, um, he did not allow anything to discourage him. Do you know why? Because he believed that he, were, he was where God wanted him to be, and he was doing what God had called him to do. People are not widgets. They're not machines. You can't mm-hmm. just have your way with them. They're beings, and they're very complex and complicated. And yeah, there's so much to moving someone forward and working in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to help them come to a knowledge of the truth, right? There's prayer involved. There's relationship involved. There's taking into account who they are and their journey and the psychology behind their situation. And this is what we learn when we love people and we want them to be saved. And I I think this is so, I can see this topic as as a real blessing for us as individuals. Like we, Mm -hmm. we get the privilege of learning more how to care about people and how to deliver information to them that's going to be, it's going to make sense. And it's going to be, it's going to be receivable information. Mm -hmm. And listen, I just appreciate so much you taking the time able to have this conversation with me. It's been a huge blessing. I've appreciated so much of what you shared. (laughs) And um, I, I really thank you guys for joining us again. We want to encourage you to share truth by degrees and take into account who you're sharing with and, and always be considerate. And don't share selfishly because you just enjoy it. Ultimately, we want people to hear and to accept and to be saved. And so Ellen White says, let's share by degrees. Let's be cautious. And we don't need to feel like we have to flash all of the truth at once. Because if we do, then the light will turn to darkness and their eyes will not be able to see. Mm. So let's just acclimate their eyes to truth by degrees so that they'll be able to see God and love God the way that we do. God bless you guys, and thank you so much for joining us. See you next week.